Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Well, good morning, and um, that was fantastic, the Bolivia drama skit. That was amazing. <laughs> so they're like, oh, now I have to preach. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's truly amazing to hear. It's what God's doing in the church, and especially in the lives of the people going on the trip. I mean, I've gone on a lot in high school and being involved in youth, so that was, uh, that was really good to hear and good to see. Um, before I kind of get into what I'm going to be sharing this morning, I do want to just say thank you on the behalf of Brooke and I for the church just supporting us and loving us. Um, uh, it's been a big year so far, moving out here and then getting married and, and trying to figure out what life is like uh, living together and stuff like that. So thank you so much. It truly is a blessing. And um, whether you've been praying for us or helped us out in, in different ways, um, we truly do thank you for that. Uh, I want to begin by reading in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to pray for us as we dig into God's word this morning. So. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Father God, this morning as we open your word and dig into it, Father, we ask for the ability to understand the wisdom and discernment to to hear what you are telling us, Father. Um, God, I ask for grace for myself as I preach your word and um, that we can leave here changed, Father, by um, being renewed, our minds being renewed through your word and uh, that we leave here different, Father, uh, more excited about who you are and what you have in store for us in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so as I was trying to think of how to share my testimony, I'm a very detailed person, and so, of course, I wrote down all these facts and things, and John's like, no, you need to tell a story that just kind of, you know, encompasses everything. So I have a a story that uh, is from probably when I'm around... I don't know, maybe 10 years old, um, and it goes something like this. So I'm the youngest of four, and one of my older brothers, who is in his late 20s now, uh, me, him, and a friend who I grew up with, we're at our house. I'm from Massachusetts, and, you know, we just had a snowstorm. So we're in our yard, and we decide to throw snowballs at cars, okay? So what we do is we make a fort in our yard that is right on the street level. It's a busy street. There's nothing blocking us, so everybody can see us throwing snowballs at them. So that's kind of not smart right there, mistake one. And then our fort we make is only about three feet tall. You can't hide under that. So what happens is we, cars are going by, and we, we kind of piled up some snowballs, and we start throwing at them. And <clears throat> this is already kind of ridiculous. We have neighbors driving by, and we're missing every single car, and they're kind of looking at us scowling. So I know we're going to get in trouble for this already because my parents know all these people. So we're kind of bummed. There's not big, not enough, you know, big cars coming by and, and until this big truck comes by. And it's probably about the size of a big U-Haul moving, moving truck. And it comes by and we all get, you know, maybe two snowballs a piece and we just whip them. Everybody misses except my brother. 
nails it with this one snowball, and he hits it, and it is extremely loud. I mean, you can hear it in, in the road and cars, and so we're kind of cheering and, and excited. You know, we hit this car, yeah, and so what happens is while we're cheering, I look, and at the end of our road, there's an intersection, stoplight intersection that's really busy, and this truck turns around in the middle of the intersection and then starts speeding back down the road towards us, and I look at my brother and my friend, and I'm like, oh my God, like, guys, the the car's coming back right now. The truck's coming back. And so we all look at each other, and it's speeding. It's almost to back to our house. So we start, we turn around and start running, and we're in all our snow gear. Instead of going into the house, we, of course, we run through our yard and into the woods. And as we're jumping the fence to get into the woods, I look back, and this guy jumped out of his truck, jumped over the fence, and started running through our yard towards us. So at this point, we're I'm freaking out. You know, I'm 10 years old. My brother's old. So we're just running. We run through the woods, running through the woods. And there's a building. Once you get, it's not a lot of woods. Once you get through it, there's a building. And it's, a, it's like a government agricultural building. So we run through the front of it. And there's a bunch of different offices. And we jump in one of the offices and kind of hide. This is the doorway. We sit and hide behind the door like this, thinking, you know, the guy's, there's no way he's going to see us. So we're in the clear. And of course, I mean, seconds later, this guy just comes walking right into the door and opens it, proceeds on yelling at us and using a lot of choice words, and it's probably one of the most uncomfortable, scariest moments of my life, because this is a stranger who just ran through our yard, chased us through the woods, and he's yelling at us with, with good reason. We hit, we hit his truck with a snowball, but so he's yelling, and we're sitting there, we're scared. My friend's crying. I'm just kind of nervous, and my brother was hiding behind these boxes for a while before the guy even saw him. And then he sees him, you know, what are you doing? He gets up, and my brother's kind of laughing. And this guy's, you know, why are you laughing? And he, that's just who he was. He couldn't, he couldn't help but laugh. And so this guy yells for a while, threatens to call the cops, and a guy who's in the building comes out, and he's like, do you want to use our phone? And at that point, I'm just, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but luckily, the guy just kind of stops yelling and just leaves and drops it, and that's it. He just walks out of the building, walks away, and we're kind of sitting there like, what, you know, <laughs> what happened? So we, we leave a little bit later. The, the business guys, you know, you guys get out of here. So we leave. We head back to the woods to our house, and we get to, the, to, the, um, to our yard, and the truck's gone. The guy's long gone, but he destroyed our fort, which I guess made him feel better. And then we went inside the house, and the rest of the day, I mean, my friend went home, and we, we were just nervous. We, you know, you didn't, you're a little kid. You don't know what's going to happen. And so um, I guess the, the gist of this, this story, why I'm explaining it, is because growing up, you get, you get a sense of right versus wrong from your parents or from a youth leader and from maybe people in a church if you, if you grew up in one. And for me, I grew up in a church where my dad was the pastor. And so I knew, I knew what was right. I mean, I had my parents. I had my youth leader. I had friend, you know, friends, you name it, who, who told me what was right. But, yeah, I still did wrong. And like this story, I was throwing snowballs at cars when I shouldn't be. You know, I was in, in another way, too. I'm following my brother and my friend, kind of their lead with the crowd. And so as I'm throwing these snowballs, I know what I'm doing is wrong. And, and some, some of you kids right here might have thrown some snowballs at a person or, or a car before. So, you know, it's wrong. But <laughs> um, so you kind of you see this... Um, I guess, difference of, of, of right and wrong in my life. And so <clears throat> the, the wrong is, is a mixture of um, following, you know, friends who didn't honor the Lord with their decisions, uh, getting too involved in different aspects like sports or um, kind of straight, straight off the path of what I should have been focused on, which is the relationship 
with, my Lord, with the Lord. I knew my relationship with God is what I should pursue, but I found myself pursuing relationships with anything but Him. So through high school and even into col- uh, my, the first college I went to, um, I used these relationships, whether with people, with sports, uh, anything, to find my own path in life. But I think the one thing as I look back on um, is that there's nowhere we can go where the Lord won't find us. Um, yeah, amen to that. <laughs> and for me, I had accepted Christ. At the time of the snowball story, I was a Christian. You know, I had accepted Christ when I was around six or seven, you know, young age. So I'd received salvation. I understood it fully, and I, I grew up understanding this, but I still, I still did what was wrong, and, and that kind of, it just, it's escalating, escalating, and the first, first school I went to um, was a small Christian, Christian college, and I was only there for a year and a half, and um, one of the things I, I focused on a lot there was just soccer, that kind of en- enraptured my attention, what I did, so I'm, I'm waking up early, and we do um, practices, uh, weights after school, we're running, you know, every, I'm just grabbing all these things, letting them grab my attention um, until... It was the second, my first semester of my second year there, coming down towards the end of it. And, you know, at this point, I'm not reading my Bible or anything like that. And one night, the Lord kind of leads me, looking back now, the Lord leads me to read my Bible. At the time, I think it was next to me. And I just grabbed it. I'm not thinking, you know, it's the Spirit guiding me to, like, read read the Bible and read this. So uh, the verses I open up to are the ones I read before we prayed this morning, which is Romans 12, 1 through 2. So the Lord already was setting in place what he knew I needed to hear. <clears throat> so as I read these verses, the first part, I, I don't really understand at this point. You know, uh, By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which is your, your spiritual worship. I'm kind of like, okay, you know, you're just kind of reading these verses and Till I get the second part, which is, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. When I read this, I think, oh my gosh, I'm conforming to this world. You know, I'm conforming to relationships and, and, and things that are, are good, you know, not necessarily bad, but I'm placing them before my relationship with God, which I haven't focused on for years and years and years. So he immediately grabs my attention with this verse do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And that renewal of your mind isn't, isn't, isn't you, right? It's God renewing your mind through his word and through your relationship with him. See, the Holy Spirit convicted me of this. Christ had transformed my life when I received salvation at a young age, but he was calling me back to begin a transformation that would change every part of me. When Christ transforms our lives, he transforms transforms every part of us, but that also requires us giving up something, which is then what this first verse kind of hit, hit home for me, offer our lives as a living sacrifice. I think oftentimes in, in our relationships, or at least for me, that we don't think of it necessarily as a sacrifice, right? But if we're going to be like Christ, that leads to the cross, the ultimate sacrifice. And so there's parts of us that we have to give up. So for me, it was leaving that college I was at, um, there's some other, you know, educational reasons they got rid of my major. <laughs> but, so, but, but the underlying theme really was that God was, there was something new for me, what his will was for my life. So I left, I left that school, um, 
came home, and during this time was really just a whirlwind of the Lord transforming my life, renewing my mind to the things of Him, what, what He um, has what he has above for me, really, what I should be treasuring in my life, and so I started uh, reading reading my Bible more. I mean, focusing on this verse a lot, but just kind of reading it and, and almost feeling like I'm beginning my walk with the Lord again for the first time, like an infant, which was horrible, <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways, but really, really good. And so, as I'm growing, I start getting into this idea of worship, and I'm wondering what. Why is it that this is in my head? And then I look back, I'm thinking about these, this verse that the Lord showed me. And um, he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. This is your spiritual worship. And another, in, in IV, it's spiritual act of worship. And so I start reading books on this idea of worship. I don't know, know what it means really. And my dad kind of pushes me to start a band. And um, I was musical growing up too. So um, my dad's kind of, hey, why don't you form a band with your friends and, and start start playing in church and then in leading in worship. And so there's that word again, I'm kind of like, what, you know? <laughs> and so I began with my friend just leading and getting involved in, in that kind of side of things in church. And it, fast forward the road, I graduated from Visible, a school where I um, studied in worship leading and in, in music and um, kind of biblical practices. And now I'm at a church leading worship and preaching on a Sunday, which I've never done before, you know? It, it, the Lord truly has us on this adventure that is just crazy. It's wild, but it's good and it's amazing. And so, <clears throat> this idea of worship is re- is really the heart of well, it's really my heart, our hearts, and in and for the church, it should be at the core core of our hearts because when it comes down to it, worship is to give value to something, to attribute worth to something. That's really basically what it is. But the Bible defines it as as God being our object of worship, right? In Psalms 145.3, 145.3, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. The Psalms are filled, and even in, in, into the New Testament, are filled with this idea that God is most worthy of our praise. He's the object of our affe- affection, our attention. See, God was calling me to serve Him alone, to worship Him alone, and the very heart of the service is self-offering to God on the basis of God's self-offering for us. Because God sent His Son, and, and we have received salvation through Christ's redemptive work, we are alive from the dead, a living sacrifice, and have new life in Christ, and live to worship Him. We are to offer our lives as worship to Jesus. And this calls for something, right? It calls for a sacrifice. Because in... in in our lives, we, we get uh, caught up, I should say, in, in family and in, in things we value, whether for me, things like sports, like soccer or, or relationships I pursued before the Lord. I was valuing these things. I was worshiping these things. But we can worship other things too, right? Our families, our children, our spouses, when we focus attention on them. I'm thinking we're four weeks married now, and it's been, fant- it's been amazing. Um, just growing together and in the Lord, but it's dangerous at the same time where you can find yourself putting your wife before your relationship with Christ, and that's hard to hear. I mean, when I'm thinking about this, I love Brooke, but I have to love Christ more, you know? 
we, ha- <clears throat> we have to value Christ above everything in our lives. Everything. He is most worthy of our praise. Most worthy of our praise. We're truly to believe what the Lord has for us as individuals, as, as churches. We have got to put Him at the forefront of our sight. We sang, we sang that hymn, Be Thou My Vision. And that whole entire song is about putting, really looking up to Christ and calling for Him to be our vision, our one vision. So as I read that, I'm just thinking, my God, you know, he, that's it right there. Be Thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be else to me, save Thou, thou, thou art. <laughs> um, so in my life, at this point, you know, it's not like I have that down. I, I find myself still like four weeks in and valuing Brooke above other things or, or above the Lord and, and what he, he has for us. And, and so I just, it's renewing, renewing of my mind again, you know. It's five or six, seven, I don't know how long, years later from when the Lord first had me read this verse and I come back to it, I'm like, he's still, he's still renewing my mind, <laughs> you know. It's a transformation that isn't going to happen in two months or two years, but rather our whole lives. It's something that continues on and on and on. But, but in the end, we have Jesus to look to for that and know that he, he, is, um, he is good and he is doing all, working all these things for our good. So this morning, we, we now come to the table. We come to communion but before before we do that and, and when we pass out the elements, let's take time this morning to ask this question to ourselves and before the Lord, what do we value most in our lives? What do we value most? Is it Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ, the one who on the cross, his body was broken, his blood was poured out for us, for our sins. Redeeming, redeeming us, or is it something else? Fill in the blank. What do we value most in this life? Do we value Christ above all else? So let's take time, and right now, just a few minutes, few minutes, spend with the Lord. Do we value Him above all? And and if 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 you haven't been, um. We, there's, a, there's a need to confess and repent, to ask for forgiveness, to receive the grace of God shown on that cross. Come before him and participate in communion. So let's go before him now and just spend some time in prayer. Father God, you are worthy of our affection, our praise. You are most worthy, God. And we value you above all else. Value your son, our relationship with him. Above everything else. If we are to live a life called on mission, as we have heard this morning about Bolivia and and international students, God, we must put you at the forefront, allowing you to lead and glorifying you every step of the way. We pray for 
just forgiveness, Father, for the areas where we have put you at the back burner. May we be renewed, Father, through your word and through your grace and come once again to the table to receive communion, put Christ high and throned above and to remember what he did for us on the cross. Amen. The uh, elements can get passed out at this time. And if you need to also, um, you know, continue to to pray as they're passed out and um, just kind of get your heart ready before that. Uh, But thanks for letting me share this morning. Thanks, Corey. It's hard preaching your first sermon. (laughs) Corey did a great job.